to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Yoshi slides it in, and the Predators win in overtime. This is the Preds' official podcast with Brooks Bratton on Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Predators official podcast. It's episode 164. It's ESPN 102.5 The Game. I'm Brooks Bratton. She's Kara Hammer of the Predators broadcast team. Producer David Jaynes is in for Producer Max this week. Working the levels, helping us out. Welcome to David and Kara. Always a pleasure to see you on the Zoom chat. How are you? I'm great. How's it going, Brooks? Oh, you know, just hanging in there. Another massive week. It's what we do around here. We have big weeks. It was a big it was a big planned week first, and now this is the biggest hockey week I can remember in a while. I feel like, you know, for being March, these games have carried a lot of weight, but they've been so exciting to watch. Very much so. And the Predators, they've done their job lately. And that's what you want to see, especially at this time of year. As we said, they're in the midst of a massive week of hockey. A win on Tuesday against Dallas, another victory Thursday against Anaheim. We'll touch on those two in just a moment. A look back at the 8 nothing win over the Sharks last Saturday and an interview with one of the gentlemen who's played a role in keeping all this going. Pred centerman Ryan Johansson will join us for his second career appearance on the POP coming up. Also, we've got a lot of great Twitter questions to get to. So without further ado, we'll get right into it. And Kara, we all know what happened a couple of weeks ago with Pex and the outdoor game and that was all planned. We knew that was all coming. We knew how that was going to kind of play out. But now the most important week of hockey thus far on the season is here as the Preds are looking to add points in the standings. And they're two for two so far. Four mm-hmm. points in two tries. A huge comeback win over Dallas on Tuesday night. And then a 4-1 victory over Anaheim on Thursday. Before we get too far into it, what do you think? I think that they, you know, they answered the bell. They were... They were kind of like up for the task and they got the job done. And I think I was thinking about, you know, our, our friend Robbie Stanley at mm-hmm. 1025 The Game put out a tweet last night talking about how of all the teams he's ever watched, he said this might be one of his favorite ones. And I watched the game with Willie Donick last night. And I think Willie and I both agreed that this team is so fun to watch. Yeah. Like we just really enjoy them. Agreed. I like to imagine that Willie, even though they weren't calling the game on Thursday night, it was an ESPN Plus game, but when Colton Sissons just ripped one, I always like to imagine Willie probably went, yes, sir. Uh, It's a perfect (laughs) moment for one of those. But no, I I saw Robbie's tweet. I agreed with that. I also loved when he said, if Tanner Janot would have gone top cheese there, I would have eaten my sock on one of Tanner's (laughs) wonderful, glorious chances last night, which he did score, but it was brought back due to an offside call, but yeah, great, great couple of wins for the Predators. As we said, a huge comeback win over Dallas on Tuesday night, a 2-1 final. No goals through the first two periods. Dallas then scores less than a minute into the third, but then Ryan Johansson ties it, and Roman Yossi scores the winner with less than two minutes to play. Yossi leaves for Fabro, who came over there. He carries down to the left half wall, retrieves the puck out to Yossi, scores! Yossi with a shot from the blue line, I believe tipped in front by So you heard Pete's call there, and it was like the Preds played really well on Tuesday. And it was a matter of just one of those games where it wasn't falling for them quite yet. But the turning point for sure 
later in that third period. The Stars already up one nothing, and Michael Raffle comes down on a breakaway. UC Saros robs him, and then just moments later, you go down on the other end of the ice. Alex Carrier draws two men to him, leaves Johansson all alone in the slot. Beautiful little deke to beat Jake Ottinger. And then Roman Yossi, just just shoot the puck, right? Just fire from the point. You never know what's going to happen. That really kind of brought the house down, honestly. Like, uh, people were already fired up just for that game, just because of what it meant, the Preds and the Stars, two wild card teams within one point of each other. And at the start of the night, the Preds were at 66. By the end of the night, they had leapfrogged Dallas to go up to 68 points. And Kara, that was about as good as it gets on a Tuesday in March as far as a playoff feel to it. That was a prime example of, of it had the playoff feel to it. And, you know, they stuck to their game plan. It was one of those where it was scoreless through two periods. You stick to the structure, you stick to your game plan, and it ended up paying off. And you talk about, Brooks, I mean, the energy from the crowd and that building. Mm-hmm. Also, how about Ben Harper's hit? I mean, yeah. he just like elevated everything. It was so loud down there. When I went out for the first star interview with Roman Yossi, even after the game, I was like, wow, it just feels like Smashville is back. Well, the Ben Harper hit was great later in the game. And I think, you know, the Preds got fired up too when Jamie Ben hit Philip Forsberg. Like that that got people fired up, I think. And, you know, Matias Ekholm was first in on the scene and um, ended up evening it out. But we, and because I was doing, I did radio with Pete Weber on Tuesday and we had talked about, you were kind of waiting, like, Nashville-Dallas has become a natural rivalry over the years. And you, we were talking about you expect physical play. You're kind of waiting for that spark to happen. And to me, that was it. That got Nashville's bench really pretty riled up. Um, and I think they knew that they were doing the right things. It just hadn't fallen for them yet. But that got everybody going. And again, just a huge save from Saros. And then as you continue to get going as well, that was what you needed. You needed a spark like that. You needed a momentum shift. And that's exactly how it played out. So really was curious to see how the Preds would respond on Thursday because I'll jump quickly after the game on Thursday. Some of the Preds players had talked about remaining at that level, coming off of that emotional win over Dallas. How do you respond against Anaheim? Not that they wouldn't be fired up for that one too, but sometimes you come down off that emotional high and it doesn't necessarily work in your favor. So how did they respond? Well, two goals from Matt Duchesne and a 4-1 win on Thursday. But another huge moment, a huge sequence late in the game after Anaheim had cut the lead to 2-1 on such a fluky goal. It was a shame that that was how UC Saros' shutout bid had to come to an end. But very shortly after that, the Predators had to kill a penalty with a huge shot block from Matt Benning keep saying the word huge but it was it was massive moments in this game and then just moments after that Colton Sissons wires one Milano comes over and the puck comes out and now here is Sissons breaking in Sissons the shot he scores Colton Sissons scores and the Predators take a two goal lead back what a fortunate bounce that was so as we alluded to a moment ago Nashville didn't play their best, but they still found a way on Thursday. Sissons got that one. Matthew Shane adds his second of the night, an empty netter. Philip Forsberg tallied as well in the second period. But the Preds, even though the score looks good, they say it was just kind of average. It wasn't our best. We know that we could be sharper. We could do the little things a little bit better. But they still found a way. And to me, that's one sign of a team that's capable of doing some pretty great things. 
I feel like they had a ton of energy to come out to start that first period. You know, they spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. I felt like they had a really good offensive game against Anaheim. I mean, look at all the goals that we thought were goals. Yeah. You know, Tanner Snow gets waved off. We thought for sure Michael McCarron, a.k.a. I think they're calling him now Big Sexy. Big Sexy, that's it. The, the, the horn went off. We all cheered. Then Salt never actually crossed the line. A few times they hit the post. So I thought it was a really good offensive effort. I did feel in the third period when they gave up that goal, they started to waver a little bit. They kind of let Anaheim back in the game. But then I thought they held on to the lead and were able to pull out the win. Yeah, that was when we talked about that after the game. It was like it, it got a little dicey towards the end but the 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 penalty kill again Matt Benning came up so clutch with that shot block and then he recorded the primary assist on the Colton Sissons tally and that was so sweet I love just a good and and Colton and Matt Duchesne said it he was out of gas Colton had just been out there to finish off the penalty kill he was out of gas but he had enough left and there was no other play but to just right wire it right like he's coming down the right side he hits the dot and or at the top of the dot, rather, and there's a defender in his face. He has no other option. Either he's going to wind up and shoot it, or he's like just going to dump it and go to the bench. But he's like, no, I'll shoot it. You never know. And you, <laughs> it was perfectly placed. It couldn't have been a more perfect shot in that moment. And even though the Preds were still winning 2-1, to one, it wasn't like they needed that goal necessarily, but they needed that goal. They needed it. And 84 miles per hour, and I don't even think he had a full windup. Yeah. Yeah, it was it wasn't the uh, the one oh five that you necessarily see at the skills competition, but he still had some oomph on it, and it beat John Gibson clean, and that was that. And then Matt Duchesne, for good measure, tallied his twenty ninth goal of the season, which such an impressive total from Duchesne. He's just one away from thirty. He's five away from tying the Predators' single season goal record. They've never had a forty goal scorer. Nashville hasn't. And could Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne both do that this season? Potentially. They're on their way there. I think so. We, we, you know, this is exactly what Willie and I talked last night during the game. We thought for sure Matt Duchesne, 35, 36. But if you're that close, I mean, you have to be going for, right, four more, five more, and just try to hit that 40-goal mark. Yeah. Well, and this is the third highest total already that Duchesne has ever had in his NHL career, which I checked that last night. And I was kind of curious because as he scored again to make it 29, I was like, has he ever done this before? So he's hit 30. He hit 30 once in Colorado. And then the year that he was traded from Ottawa to Columbus, he hit 31. And if I'm reading stats right, I think I'm okay at reading stats. 31 is the career high. So all of a sudden he's only two off We've still got 25 games to go. He's two off of the career high of 31. So well done, Matt Duchesne. Keep it going. But he's one of the guys, we talk about it all the time, you need your best players to be your best players at this time of the year. And the Predators talk about icing their best game. That's that's We know the buzzword, the identity buzzword that we've used all year long, mental fortitude, mental toughness. But icing your best game is becoming one of those phrases that is being thrown around and widely used and for good measure because the Predators feel that no matter who they're playing, if they ice their best game, then they're going to be able to find success about against just about anyone in this league. And so far, so good. At least in the last little bit to win three straight, come off of that loss against Seattle last week that they did not like at all and respond with 
what we now know to be the largest margin of victory on the road in franchise history last Saturday in San Jose, things are looking up right now. And that's exactly what you want to see at this juncture of the season. How much fun was that game against the Sharks? And you know, the fourth line. <laughs> you know, it's so nice to have a stress-free game every once in a while. It's so nice to go into the third period already up four nothing, and the Preds are like, "Let's score four more. Why not? Let's, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it." Well, yeah, we got to go back to Saturday against San Jose for a moment—an eight nothing win over the Sharks, just the second time in franchise history that the Preds have won by that count. The first was back in February of 09, an 8 nothing win over the Red Wings in Nashville. Jason Arnott had a hat trick. That one was pretty sweet at the time. We weren't around yet here in Nashville, but you talked to Pete Weber and some of the people who were here. That meant a lot because it was Detroit at the time, and the Preds don't play the Red Wings nearly as much, but they used to be incredibly fierce division rivals, and to beat a team like the Red Wings by an 8 nothing count in Nashville... That was a night that'll never be forgotten, and I would hope that this one against San Jose won't be forgotten anytime soon. Two goals from Michael McCarron, Matt Luff, and Matt Duchesne. Four points total for McCarron, three helpers from Phil Tomasino, four assists from Roman Yossi, and a plus-six rating. That's a franchise record. And as the guy said, Michael McCarron, big sexy, getting it done. But they were pretty giddy, right? Phil Tomasino and Matt Luff in the postgame, that was fun to see because I think a lot of times, especially in the regular season, it's just all, it's, it's ho-hum. And, and you do see some personality sometimes, but especially a lot of times when guys talk to us, um, you know, you might get a little bit, but you're not going to get guys that are just having the time of their lives. But Tomasino and Luff especially, and McCarron, they all talked after the game. McCarron and Tomasino went together. I mean, they looked like 13-year-olds that had just won 8 nothing. They didn't seem like professional hockey players in the best way. It was so nice to see them. have Not that they haven't been having fun, because there's been a lot yeah. of fun moments. There's been a lot of things to enjoy this season. But that was so great to see. Like, ultimately, like, it's they're men playing a kid's game, and that was really refreshing to see. I feel like Michael McCarron has come so much into his game as well. And I know that, you know, you talk about Luff and, and Tomasino, but this has also been a really tough decision for Coach Hines now, because after that Sharks game, Nick Cousins comes off of injury, so he's ready to go back in the lineup. Mm -hmm. And Hines has to make the decision of who he's putting in, a veteran or a guy coming off of scoring two goals, having a great, great game, having the time of his life. Then you have to say, okay, sorry, it's just, it's not your chance right now. But that's that's a good problem to have, even though it's a problem. We're lucky we don't have that. We don't have to make those decisions. Yes. No, it is a good problem to have. And I and, and Matt Luff understands it, I think. I mean, a guy like Nick Cousins, he's a regular in your lineup. And he's come in and slotted in on that fourth line with McCarron and Tomasino. And, um, and, and he knows it's going to take him a couple of games maybe to get back to full speed after he'd been out for a number of weeks. But, yeah, it's a great problem to have, especially this time of the year, because you, you know guys are going to get hurt. You're going to need everybody down the stretch. And so it's good to have a guy like Matt Luff, if he's the guy up here. It's been Cole Smith at different times this year as well, but to have that extra forward here ready to go, um, as you said, it's a good problem to have. And, uh, you know, what a game. I, Not to take anything away from those guys, but I don't know that they'll ever necessarily have a game together where they're combined for 10 points ever again. But, yeah. boy, was it fun to see in the moment and really good for the Preds to finish off that trip in that manner and then come home and record two massive wins so far. So we've made it through the week to this point. We talked about this four-game stretch. 
We've gone through the week, but now we've reached the weekend as we record this on Friday, March 11th. Two, again, we can't emphasize enough, just massive tilts coming up this weekend against St. Louis at Bridgestone Arena at 11.30 a.m. Puck drop, let's go. And then Sunday evening at Minnesota. So you get the Blues in the wild. Oh, and guess who are the two teams closest to the Predators just ahead of them in the standings? It's the Blues in the wild. This is one of those games, Brooks. You got to wake up, eat your eggs, and punch somebody. <laughs> that's what. That's an old. I said that to someone the other day. That's an old Peter Laviolette adage. You get you get an early start time like this. You wake up, eat your eggs, and you get ready to punch someone in the face. And it won't take much for the Preds to get up for this one either. Philip Forsberg said Thursday night, "We're ready for this one. We know that St. Louis has struggled a little bit as of late. They had a big win on Thursday, but you know they'd like to get more from their group as well. So they're going to be ready to go." And Philip Forsberg said, we know Bridgestone's going to be rocking. So make sure it is, Preds fans. Make sure you're there on time, 1130. Wake up, eat your eggs, do what you got to do to get there. Uh, but yeah, that should be a fun time. And then, again, the chance to to do to make some noise in Minnesota as well. Matthias Ekholm said it on Thursday night. He's like, if you win four games, this could be an incredible week. And if you lose four games, you're in a pretty bad position. But so far, so good. They've won two so far, the Preds. Have two more to go. So St. Louis again on Saturday morning, 1130 at Bridgestone Arena. And then Sunday evening, a six central start in Minnesota against the Wild. Let's focus on those and then we'll figure out the rest of the way. But it doesn't get much bigger in March and it's fun. It's enjoyable to watch. And so far, the Preds have certainly given us a show and someone who is always entertaining. Up next, we'll chat with Predator centerman Ryan Johansson this is the Predators' official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to the Predators' official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Brooks Bratton and Kara Hammer, super excited to be joined by our next guest. His second career appearance on the podcast. We are pleased to welcome... Ryan Johansson back to the show. Ryan, welcome. Thanks for doing this. It's always great to talk to you. No problem. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. We I went back and looked. Your first appearance came all the way back in October of 2018. That seems like a lifetime ago. What comes to mind as you think about Predators hockey from then to now? Yeah, a lot has happened since 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. Oh man, time flies. Time flies. Been a lot of, a lot of great times. A lot of, a lot of fun times. A lot of great memories throughout all those years. And uh, here we are. We're still kicking it and and uh, pressing on. Ryan, I felt like when the season started, nobody outside of the locker room was kind of really giving you guys a chance back in October. But it seems like this team. What kind of stands out to you? about your team this season? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. There was a lot of speculation around our team and all that. And um, I think uh, if you evaluate our team and look at our group of, group of men right now, it's, you know, the character in our organization throughout our hockey club has really come, come out and, has really shined, and um, so it's definitely a, definitely a point right now. And 
in a moment in our year and where we're at that, you know, we're proud of where we're at. We're proud of the work we've put in and, and, um, you know, it's kind of like a sky's the limit right now feeling and as a group and as a team, we're just, we're just excited to, to go dive into each thing, each and every day and, and, uh, give it our best and, and see what we're capable of and taking it one day at a time. It's been, it's been fun and, and we feel like we, uh, we can, we can do a lot of good things as a hockey club. So it's, uh, like I said, it's a good, it's a good feeling right now and, and, uh, just taking it day by day and, and we're enjoying it and having fun. Ryan, you and a lot of your teammates have talked as well about just how tight this group is. And, and obviously you aim to have that camaraderie every season, but is it fair to say that there just seems to be something about this group, like whether it's on the ice or off the ice, if something happens, you stick up for one another, you, you go out there and do battle with each other, and you just find a way to get it done more often than not. What impresses you about this group from that aspect of things? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question because you know I don't know if there's something you could put your finger on and say this is why we're so close or whatever, but for whatever reason we just gel very well together. We, you know, for for whatever reason it is, there's a lot of there's a lot of care in our room and a lot of belief in one another, and and that's a big reason to why it's been a pretty successful year and and why we've why we've had so much fun this year and. Um, and that's something that that we're going to use to our advantage and having so much fun together as a group and and going out there and playing for one another it's uh it's you know it's something that that we're going to use to our advantage moving forward and and um just makes every day so much more enjoyable coming to work and and putting the skates on and playing for each other well, you talk about the enjoyable moments, and we recently all enjoyed Pecorine's retirement ceremony and then the stadium series. What did you think of that entire experience? It's yeah. one thing to have those at any point, but to do it back-to-back like that, that was quite a three-day span. Yeah, that was a heck of a week. Um, you know, I I said it I said it in an interview a, a couple weeks ago now where I – I really believe Texas one of the all-time most respected NHL players of all time. I I just can't say enough about Pax and and what he did for not only this organization but myself and other teammates I know that would say the same thing. He was just he's just such an incredible person and um it was so so grateful to play with him and and um, learn from him and all that stuff. And it, it was just, it was really cool to be a part of it and, and see him get really recognized on that stage. And, and uh, you know, I know I, from talking to him after how much he enjoyed it, it was, it was cool hearing from him too about how special it was for him and how much it meant to him. And just an incredible week. What did you think of the catfish toss from Pex? <laughs> I don't know. There must not be much baseball up in Finland. <laughs> that was that was something else. Uh, that that could have been ugly. I feel like that was one of my favorite moments from the stadium games. But Ryan, what do you think was like the highlight of the experience for you um, on that day? 
Um, and just just watching him, um, you know, I, I think I think what he touched on when he was speaking to the crowd and in the arena, when he when he brought up his son and he's like, I can't wait to bring him back here and see Dad's jersey up in the rafters and and um, just enjoy moments in the future with his boy and and seeing him with his family up there and, and his dad who's been through a lot and had a, had a stroke previously and able to make the journey out and all that stuff is just to, just to see him with his family enjoying that moment and, and all the sacrifice they've put in and all the work they've all put into collectively together to, to embrace that moment of, of just his accomplishments and his career. And it was, uh, it was just cool as an ex teammate and, to, to watch him and in that moment. Predators centerman Ryan Johansson is our guest here on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. And, Joey, after Tuesday's game, you refer to your captain as Roman franchise record breaker Yossi. But how impressive has he been this season, as per usual, I suppose? And should he win the Norris Trophy again? Oh, absolutely. He's he's so good. It's It's insane. It really is. He's just... Every game, every shift, he's just he's out there just making it happen, and um, it's he's so impressive as a teammate, and and I'm serious. Every 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 game, I'm like, all right, what record did he break today? He's just <laughs> he's just not stopping. And as we go along, as his teammate, he just seems more and more motivated to you know just be the best he can be, and it's uh, it's inspiring and. And it's it's just fun to be a part of, and you know, one day when we're we're looking back at the career and and um, you know just what teammates have done and what we did together, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool to look back and and see all the things uh, you know my teammates and and Yos and what what they accomplished. Ryan, what about you? I mean, all of a sudden, you're in your 11th full NHL season, your 6th full season here in Nashville. Kind of hard to believe. It's, as you said, time flies. But how has your game or perhaps your approach yeah. changed over time? What have you learned over the last decade here in the NHL? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Every time that's brought up or I think about it, it's like, where did those 11 years go? <laughs> um, yeah, it's It's crazy, but... You know, you know, like you said, what have I learned over all this time? It's like <clears throat> you've learned a lot, and you you just continue to keep learning. It feel feels like every year, and and just going through seasons, you're always you're always learning more, and you're always growing, and and um, you're always find trying to find ways to be, to be a more effective player for your team, and um. You know, it's 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 really enjoyable though being a little bit older and having impacts on young guys and things like that, and and um, you know, I'm just really enjoying every day, just having as much fun as I can, and going out there and being uh being a leader and and uh, doing things the right way and doing it, you know, with uh, some experience from over the years and and um, yeah, like I said, I'm just just having as much fun as I can. Ryan, I know a few years ago we were on a Zoom and we were talking and you were telling a story about how Wayne Gretzky said he loved your game but hated the way you taped your stick. So I got to know, like, where's the tape at right now on the stick? I, 
It was funny because him and Brett Hall were like, one day we were sitting having breakfast at some golf course, and he's like, he's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta use black tape, and you gotta tape your full blade. You have to. You'll score so many more goals. And I kind of, you know, I was enjoying it, and they were kind of goofing around, but they were also serious. And I was like, all right, all right. Like, you know, I better try this. I mean, if Wayne Gretzky and Brett Hall are telling me to do this, <laughs> like, I should listen. I should at least try it. So last year I tried it, and I didn't score a goal for, like, 15 games. So I'm like, this is stupid. These guys have no idea what they're talking about. So I went back to my old half-tape job with White, and, and I scored, like, the first game. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. I'm just going to do my own thing. So I, I don't think it works. It definitely didn't work as well for me as it did for those guys, but I, I had to give it a shot. It just wouldn't wouldn't have been right if I didn't listen to them and try. <laughs> sure, but you but you do you you do what works for you. Yeah, that's it. Well, and we know I wanted to ask you about this too because we know that you're such a proud brother. Your brother Lucas made his NHL debut earlier this season. Yeah, you had an awesome post on your Instagram page, including a fantastic photo of the two of you as kids. But you talked about just how unbelievably <laughs> proud you are of him. How cool is that for you to see him reach the NHL just like you? Yeah, uh, it's it, it was amazing. Um, you know, I, I got to say, I was I was just walking around my kitchen, and when I found out he, I found out he was playing in his first game the night before. And then had practice or something that morning, and then I ended up walking around my kitchen, and I was just like, I had, it was crazy. I couldn't believe I was like getting emotional, and like I was, you know, just as an older brother, and uh, and just knowing how hard he's worked, and all, and all the kind of hurdles he's had to go through with injuries and things, and just the grind it's been to work for that opportunity to get that opportunity to to play in his first game. I just you know, I ended up just wanting to express, you know, what that meant to me and really, really show friends and family and fans and stuff on my social media, like what that meant to me. And, you know, I, you know, and I, it, it was just a, it was just a moment for me to really, to really just show people who follow hockey and follow me and my brother and what it, you know, how much that meant to me. And, um, you know that kid's that kid's uh, been having a heck of a year, and he's really put himself in a in a position to turn another opportunity and and uh, do what he does, and and so hopefully he'll uh, he'll get back up and and uh, find a way to keep a job in the NHL. But he's uh, definitely had a great first game, and he's been having a heck of a year. Like I said, it's it's uh, it's, it's a I've been a proud brother and. For a long time, and especially this year, to see him taking taking these opportunities and making the most of them. Well, we see Lucas on your Instagram page quite often. I would say the other individual who makes regular appearances is, of course, your beloved Bulldog Dozer. How is he? What can you tell us about his day to day? He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Not not too much going on. He's not that. He doesn't run around and cause too much trouble. He's pretty chill. But, uh, <laughs> he's uh he's the best he's he's uh he's my best bud and he he makes me laugh every day like that, that guy is awesome <laughs> well ryan as we look ahead we have, you know less than two months to go here in the regular season what do you think your team needs to do to to clinch a playoff spot and just make a solid run here 
Yeah, we just gotta we just gotta keep doing our thing. We just gotta keep finding ways to get better, and you know all the good cliche stuff. Just taking it one day at a time right now. And uh, obviously, every game is so important, but you know we feel like if we just focus in on what we do as a group and not worry about what's happening around us and and other teams and all that, and just focus on our group and and uh, what we need to do to be successful and how we need to play to. Uh, consistently win games, and you know we have we have a lot of belief and a lot of confidence in our group. And we we talked about earlier the character we have in our room and and uh, how much fun we have playing together. And, and uh, so it's a it's a good it's a good nice I wouldn't say comfortable, but just a just a easy going kind of vibe when we come to the rink and how you know we're we're not overthinking much and we're not thinking. You know, I was thinking about anything really, other than just just having fun and going out there and putting in the work and and uh, playing for one another, and and uh, and we feel like the job will get done. Well, Ryan, it's always a pleasure. Give our best to Lucas and Dozer, and I don't want to wait four years to have you on the show again, so we'll do it again sooner than that. But thanks for doing it. It's always a pleasure, and we'll catch up with you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Brooks. Thanks, Kara. You guys have a good one. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Brooks Bratton, Kara Hammer with you. Thanks to Ryan Johansson for joining us. Always a lovely chat with number 92. And we wanted to mention a signing. That happened this week. This is the time of year when you start to sign some guys from juniors or college as seasons start to wind down. And the Predators made one of those moves earlier in the week. They signed forward Navrin Mutter to a three-year entry-level deal. What a name. A member of the all-name team. It's not Marvin. It's Navrin. As some people, uh, we've heard that they've missed it, missed that a little bit. Uh, but he gets his entry-level deal that will start next season. He skated in 44 games in the Ontario Hockey League this season, 17 points. He's 6'4". He's got 88 penalty minutes, the second most in the NHL. He's with the Kitchener Rangers right now, and 11 points in 21 games since coming over to the Rangers. He's never drafted, of course. He's appeared in 199 career OHL games. So we'll see where Mutter ends up uh, at the end of the season. Once the OHL season is done, potentially could go to Milwaukee to join the Admirals. We'll see on that. But another depth signing for the Predators. Always good to have prospects in the system. you got to restock the cupboard, as David Poyle and the Preds like to say. So that is exactly what that move will do. And something else we wanted to mention, we're in the midst of not only a huge hockey week, but it's also Ford Military Salute Week. It's coming to a close, but you can still make an impact and own a piece of Preds history. Those specialized military jerseys that were worn by Predators players during warm-ups to start Tuesday's game, they're up for auction to benefit a variety of military-focused organizations in the Middle Tennessee area. You can text PREDS, P-R-E-D-S, to 76278, PREDS, to 76278 and you can bid on one of those beautiful military jerseys. Kara, I always love this week. It's never a bad time to honor the military, but especially now with everything going on, 
on Thursday night, and I think they're going to do it on Saturday morning as well, to see the ladies and gentlemen rappel in with Nash from the rafters. I love that. I think that is so cool, and and everybody gets fired up by it. I really enjoyed last, I guess, Thursday night. You know, A, the jerseys are sweet, so you got to bid on those because they're some of my favorite that the Preds put out. But then last night at the game, they also – you know, went and highlighted like one person from the Navy, one person from the Air Force, mm-hmm. one person from the Army. And I thought that was so cool just to see everybody cheering. And, you know, there was a, a woman and she got like the loudest cheer because she was awesome. And yep. I was like, you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I agree. I love when they do that. And the, like the, the servicemen and women, they're fired up. They're not just, you know, it's not just a slight little wave. It's like, yeah, like we're the best branch. I, I love when they get into it like that. But that was really cool to see. And then the Predators, uh, the Ford military salute, specifically that that final TV timeout in the second period that we see every game. It was our own Brian Bailey who works at Ford Ice Center here with the Predators. But a, a decorated service member. He's been to Afghanistan a number of times, Afghanistan and Iraq over the years. And he started the Seven Element Group here, which works with retired veterans gets them out, gets them something to do. A lot of it is playing hockey here in Nashville at Ford Ice Center. And it's honestly saved a lot of lives is giving those guys, those men and women, some camaraderie and, uh, you know, a chance to acclimate back into everyday life and give them something to look forward to. Our own Hal Gill and Chris Mason are huge supporters of that as well. Um, And so shout out to Brian Bailey. He's an awesome dude, does amazing work at Ford Ice Center and, and just helping things to run as smoothly as they do here, but the work that he's doing outside of his, his regular job is just really impressive. He's an amazing person. We're all, we're obviously so thankful for his service and everything that he's done for this country, but the things that he continues to do in this community are really out of this world. Yeah, definitely. So don't forget, you can still text Preds seven, six, two, seven, eight, get the Jersey support the military salute week. And uh, if you can, always, I know Seven Element loves to take donations. Yeah. You know, if you have an extra ticket to a game, just please like hit them up on, on Twitter, any social media, let them know, because that's also something that they're huge supporters of, of getting guys out, getting them to the games, you know, just getting them around the game of hockey. Absolutely. It's a big deal. So again, thanks to Brian Bailey. Thanks to all the men and women, active duty, retired, anyone who has served. We certainly don't take that service for granted. And this is a wonderful time to honor them and honor all of you. So if you've served, thank you so much for what you do. Perhaps you can support one of those sweaters as well. We will come back in just a moment as we return to answer your questions from the week and wrap things up on episode 164. That's next right here on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 1025, the game. Fourth and final segment of the Predators official podcast. Brooks Bratton here to wrap things up. Friend of the show, Ben Rector, by the way. New album out today. It's called The Joy of Music. Always a joy to hear Ben's music. And we thank him for that. And we thank you for your questions. We always appreciate getting the chance to answer what's on your mind. You can use hashtag Preds podcast anytime. And a number of you have done that this week, so we will jump right into it. K-Rob says, will any potential trade deadline acquisition be hampered by the Philip Forsberg situation? Does David Poyle have the cap space to add a player with the Forsberg contract remaining 
and uncertainty. So first off, of course, we all know Predators general manager David Poyle would like to sign Philip Forsberg by the trade deadline. March 21st is the deadline, 2 p.m. Central, by the way. So we are inching closer and closer to that. The Preds GM on his weekly radio hit here on 1025 The Game said there was nothing to report. That was on Tuesday. Nothing new to report, rather, on the Philip Forsberg negotiations. So who knows? It's now Friday. A ton of things could have happened by then. And this is that time of year where we say to take everything lightly, especially as we record podcasts. Because by the time one or many of you hears this, who knows what could have happened. But as of now, the Preds, they do have plenty of cap space. So if they're looking to add something at the deadline, they do have the capability to do that. I would be interested to see as well, though, from everything that we've heard says that things are eerily quiet almost with reports on social media and whatnot, just of what's happening right now. The Tyler Toffoli trade happened a few weeks ago uh, to Calgary. But other than that, nothing is really happening 10 days out. And that is not really what we've seen in recent years. We've seen a lot more movement or at least a lot. uh, the, The whispers have been heightened. We really haven't seen that this time. So it'll be very curious over the, again, we're only 10 days away as we record this on March 11th, uh, to, just to see what happens around the league, not only here in Nashville. I think it's been said before that the Preds like their group, uh, so I wouldn't necessarily expect them to look to add someone huge by any means, um, but we'll see. And that kind of leads into this one, as Hayden says, as the trade deadline approaches, what kind of player do you think the Preds would be most likely to target, if anyone? I think that if anyone is a good addition there because the Preds may not do anything, but if they do elect to go the trade route on someone to bring someone in, I think at this time of the year, it never hurts to have a depth forward or a depth defenseman. You know guys are going to get hurt. You're going to need everyone down the stretch at some point. We saw the Predators do it last year with Eric Branson, the veteran defenseman that they brought in. So I would think that if the Predators do elect to make a move and bring someone in from another team, it would be something along those lines, a depth forward, a depth defenseman, someone that you can use potentially down the stretch if and when you need them. Um, And and we'll see again. Things can change. I I just use the, the asterisk on everything that is said in this moment because things can change so quick. But it has seemed like for the most part this season, the Predators have been pretty happy with the makeup of their team. And probably not wanting to mess too much with that. And Hayden kind of had a second part where he said, could we get an update on some of the younger prospects like Yaroslav Askarov uh, and, and Svechkov, Fedor Svechkov as well, a couple of Russians. When can we expect them to sign entry-level contracts? Uh, we'll see. The, you know, Some guys, when they get drafted, they sign pretty much right away. We've seen that with guys like Luke Evangelista, Luke Prokop. They signed pretty quickly. Uh, Yaroslav Askarov still over there playing in Russia. And uh, a guy who the Predators have said that they expect another couple of years um, for him there would expect to to get him here to North America, at least maybe not to Nashville, but North America potentially within a year or two. So obviously you've got to sign your entry level deal before that happens. So it could happen soon. It could happen later. Um, But we'll see on those. Obviously, the goal is to get those guys signed at some point. And the Predators, as we said earlier, with the signing of uh, Narvin Mutter, that's something that happens this time of year. So we'll see as the contracts start flying off the shelf, probably sooner rather than later on a number of players. And uh, we will certainly keep our eye on that 
over the next couple of months. Ryan said with the reverse retro coming back next season, which if you missed that report, Adidas, uh, it's been said that they are bringing back the reverse retro program next season. You'll remember the Predators had that last season with kind of the old school Pred head on the gold jersey. Ryan said, what jersey design do you think would be fun to bring back and remix? We know that a lot of people love the Navy alternates from the mid-2000s with with the white strings at the top and kind of the silver pred head. Perhaps that gets a look. I love that they went back to that old school pred head, just the the original look and more of a silver kind of coloring on there. Uh, We'll see. There's certainly some options to choose from. And so it will be very curious to see what they do with that because there were a lot of really cool designs, not only from Nashville, but all around the league uh, with that program. And I, I think it was rather successful. So it sounds like Adidas in the league is going to bring that back. So we'll see. There's a lot to work with there for sure. Scott said, what's your favorite specialty jersey the Preds have worn on warmups this year? Personally, I don't think they've worn it yet because St. Patrick's Day is coming up and my favorite color is green. I'm Irish. I'm a ginger. So I'm partial to all that sort of stuff. And we will see what the Predators, I know they've got something in store for St. Patrick's Day, but as we discussed earlier, you can't go wrong with the military jerseys. They're so cool. They're so fresh, so patriotic. Yeah, David, I mean, you've, you've seen them. That's, they're really cool. As we said, you can uh, potentially have one for yourself on the auction, but such a cool look there. And I also love the Black History Month jerseys as well with the real, the Willie O'Ree patch on them. Uh, I thought those were really cool. So yeah, a lot of a lot of great looks. Good job. Kudos to to Pete Rogers, Preds equipment manager and his staff and uh, the league and everybody at Adidas helping to get those done as well. Uh, certainly some cool looks to come, but I, I think maybe St. Patty's Day is going to be my favorite because that's the kind of stuff I enjoy. So <laughs> uh, stay tuned for that. And stay tuned for so much more hockey. Again, as we said, the trade deadline just 10 days away. And the Predators, a massive weekend coming up. Can they get it done? There's only one way to find out. We know that Ryan Johansson and his teammates will do their best to do so. I'm Brooks Bratton. You can follow me at Brooks Bratton on Twitter. Follow Kara at Kara Hammer. You can tweet us anytime using hashtag Preds Podcast and follow at Preds NHL, of course, to see what we're pumping out. Thanks one more time to Ryan Johansson for joining us this week on the POP. Always a pleasure. It's March. Things are heating up. Good luck with the snow this weekend in Nashville, and then we'll get warm again. Then it'll feel like playoff hockey again. You're the best. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the week. Later.